can't separate Even if I run away Your love never fails I know I still make mistakes But you have new mercies for me every day Your love never fails Stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the ocean drifts, I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. The wind is strong and the water's deep. I'm not alone here in these open seas. Your love never fails. The chasm is far too. I never thought I'd reach the other side Your love never fails You stay the same through the ages Your love never changes There may be pain in the night But joy comes in the morning I don't have to be afraid Because I know that you love me Your love never fails Your love never fails You made all things together for my good you make all things work together for my good you make all things work together for my I don't have to be afraid Because I know that you love me Your love never fails 
just thank you today for all you do for us. We thank you for your love, a love that lasts forever. Lord, a love that never ends. And Lord, we just pray, God, that, uh, that we would love you just a little bit of what you love us. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just help us, Lord, as we worship you today. God, that you would be lifted up and you would be glorified. And God, may your spirit join us here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
today is let us go on out of Hebrews chapter 6 1 through 3 I invite you to go there in your Bible Hebrews chapter 6 1 through 3 I've been looking forward to this scripture ever since we started the book of Hebrews this is Hebrews 6 1 is one of those verses that uh, has changed me more probably than I, I just can't think of another verse that's had more effect on me than Hebrews 6.1. Let us go on. Before we read the text, I uh, don't know if you remember a week or so ago, there wa was going through he Hebrews and I asked the question, it's on the screen, uh, how long have you been a Christian? How, how is it g going? Um, how long have you been a, been a Christian? How are you growing? Do you struggle with the same old thing <clears throat> over and over again? And you struggle with it, and I don't know, maybe it gets better for a little bit, maybe it doesn't get better for a little bit, and it just seems like, whatever it is, you just continually s struggle with it. And uh, that was me, I, I can, can still be me on different things, but on this issue of Sin and forgiveness of sin. And that's what we're going to talk about in Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. I would tend to do what I've seen since then. A lot of Christians tend to do is struggle with the issue of forgiveness of sin. We may know what the Bible says, but it doesn't seem, for some reason, to be real to us. It doesn't really seem to be changing us. Let's read the text and he had just talked about the previous scripture, the end of uh, chapter 5, just talked about, you know, you ought to be teachers by now, but you're still needing somebody to teach you. And he continues this thought with verse 1 of chapter 6. Read closely. Pay attention. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... Leaving 
the discussion talking about the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on. Let's not just keep talking about it. I'm going to explain that. Let's not just keep talking about that over and over and over and not advancing. Let us go on to perfection or maturity. Let's leave just always talking about the elementary principles of Christ. Let's go on to maturity. So what he's saying is sometimes, these, and I'm going to talk about what is the elementary principles of Christ. We're going to talk about that. But just going over that over and over again keeps you from maturity, from perfection or maturity or completion. Here it, here it is again, explaining it a little bit more. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. That's a very important verse. I, uh, it has, I was just in my seat trying to think of how many years. It had to be 30-plus years ago. We were, I, we, I was at home. Dee Dee and the kids went somewhere. I don't know why it would have been on a, a Sunday afternoon, but I was there at the house by myself, and I, was, I don't know if it's just what I was going to read through. or I came to Hebrews 6.1, and it was one of those verses for me 30-plus years ago. Maybe you've had the experience, too, where you come across a verse, you're reading it in your Bible, and now you could do it on your, on your phone. I couldn't do it then. But reading along, and the, the Holy Spirit stops you, saying, okay, go back to that verse again. Okay, go back to that verse again. Read it again, then read it again. And, it show, and, and I got something from Hebrews 6.1 that day that has forever changed my life and my spiritual life and how I view sin and forgiveness of sin forever. I do not wrestle with that issue any, anymore. I've, I've gone on exactly what that verse says. Verse 2, and some other things of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And verse 3, if I had a pen to underline, and this we will do, and this we will do, if God per permits. Well, I'm going to tell you this morning, God is permitting. Yes. But this we will do. What? We're going to go on. And we're going to stop just going over the same things in our spiritual life, the things we're str struggling with. We're going, to, we're going to deal with it, handle it, God permitting, and he will, and we're going to move on. Okay? So Hebrews 6.1, not laying again the foundation of repentance. When we're dealing, uh, when we've sinned, and we do sin, uh, first, first John makes that, makes that plain, we, we do sin. How do we deal with that sin? Well, Jesus deals with that sin. Yes, he does. Okay, we're going to put a couple verses on the screen, and let's, let's go this way. Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, you've heard that verse. You've heard me talk about that verse. You know that verse by heart. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, that's Bible. Now, everybody in the room says we believe the Bible. 
Okay, every, I, I hope you do. You may be in the wrong place if you, if you don't, or you're in the right place, whichever way you want, you want to look at it. But probably most of us say, yeah, I believe the Bible. Okay, then believe the Bible. I believe what God's Word says. All right, then believe what God's Word says. Take Him at His Word. So, sometimes what we do is we read it, we, we know it's true, but we have a hard time Believing is true as in, and which is the next step, acting on what is true. And you only really believe what you act on. Now, you may believe it with your head, but you only really believe in, in your heart what you actually act on. Okay? So if you're not acting on it, if you're not working through it, if it's not real to your life, you don't really believe it in your heart. You may agree with it with your head. But if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's, what, that's the basis of salvation right there. Okay? So now it's up to me to take that and to believe that with all my heart. Okay? Uh, one more, and then I'm going to talk about that a little bit. First uh, John 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.8, which is not on the screen. But 1 John 1.8, it says, If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, okay? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're all struggling with it. Everybody in the room is going to struggle with this, just this issue of sin. All have sinned and come short of the, of the glory of God. All have sinned. If we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. So, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm not, uh, those two scriptures are all I'm going to sh show you. Confessing with your mouth, believing in, in your heart, and then if you confess with, if, when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive, you sin, of, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, just like Romans 10, 9, I know you see it. I know you see it in your Bible. I know you've read that. I know you probably believe it with your head or you probably wouldn't be here. But now today, it's getting it down into your heart. That's true. That scripture's true. So, when I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So how many times do I need to confess that sin? One time. Does anybody else in the room struggle with sin? Yes, you do. Does anybody in the room struggle with the, the, um, the answer to sin, which is, G which is the forgiveness that comes to us through Jesus Christ, what he has paid on the cross. In the book of Hebrews, it's going to say time and again, Jesus suffered once and for all. Every other high priest had to go in every year. Jesus only went in once. When we sin, we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And that's exactly what the Bible says. So that sin is forgotten. That sin is dealt with, never needing to be dealt with again. So leave it alone. Don't bring it back up. Here's the question. When you sin, because you do, because all of us do. The reason I know you do is because I know all of us do. When you sin, how many times do you confess that sin? How many times, how long does it take you to get over that sin? 
How many times have you went back to that sin as in, well, I'm just not sure he forgave me. I'm just not sure. Here, here's one. I'm not sure I was sincere enough. Where does it say if we confess our sins and you're sincere enough? Where does it say if we confess our sins and you really meant it? Look, if you're taking the time to confess your sins, you mean it. It's sincere enough. Where does it say that there's more I need to do? Where does it say that you need to build up your faith? Where does it say that you need to pay for your sin? Where does it say that you need to do anything but what? Confess your sin. So when you do that, what? It's done. It's over. Yeah, I know it's a good thing to say, but I'm struggling with it. Well, this morning, let's stop struggling with it. Let's believe it. What I did when I uh, learned this, I took a couple of scriptures. I'm not sure it would be the same one. I'm pretty sure it was 1 John 1, 9. Since we didn't have cell phones in, I know it's hard to believe, but we didn't have cell phones in. We couldn't, you know, take notes and do all the stuff that we do with cell phones. I took a 4 by 6 index card, and I wrote down a couple scriptures. I'm sure 1 John 1, 9 was one of, one of those. And uh, I put that in my pocket. And I went to, and I took it with me everywhere I went, went to work, whatever. And from time to time, I would get that out and read it. Now, it's also a good way, if you're into memorizing scripture, that's a good way to do it. Where through, through the day, you look now, now today, you'd probably put it on your phone, whatever. That's fine. Or you get it out often and look at it. And I'd remind myself, now, okay, because here's what I would do. Okay, I struggle with sin just like you do. And when I would confess that sin, I, I struggled with it. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he heard me. I'm not sure I'm sincere enough. I'm not sure I'm, I'm the, it, it was almost always about me. I'm not sure I, so what do I do? I take out that card and I, wait a minute. But this is what the Bible says. And I'm going to have to come to the point, either I believe the Bible or I don't. And let's just stop saying we believe the Bible if we really don't. And let's just get into where we really believe the Bible. Where we really believe what God's word says. What God has said. What God has done. Now, me and you may talk out of both sides of our mouth. God never does. Me and you may change our mind about things. God never does. Me and you may change and, and not live up to what we said. God never does that. What God has said. I could, boy, I could really get loud right now. What God has said. So I, I would take that out, and, and I would remind myself, but it got to the point where I really began to confess that sin and leave it. It's done, because that's what God has said. Completely changed my life, com uh, completely changed my spiritual life. I started from that point on to move on, to go on to begin to grow by leaps and bounds because when I sin, because we all struggle with it, I'll confess it, I'll leave, leave it alone. This is a, a, a quote we often put in our bulletin announcements. Satan is the one who torments us with trivialities. And he often transforms himself into an angel of light and bothers us with endless self-examinations. An oversensitive conscience, which allows us no peace. Anybody else in the room struggle with that? 
you know what you should know and you know what you should do, but you, you just, you're struggling with, but I'm just not sure. And whatever it is, oversensitive this, overthinking that, self-examinations. Self I'm going to go ahead and put the next screen up. And I want you to really get this. The Holy Spirit convicts. Satan condemns. If you don't move on, you've gone from conviction to condemnation. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. You've sinned, you need to deal with that. Yeah, you've sinned, you need to deal with it. So deal with it, confess it to the Lord, and move on. But, the, but Satan gets in and he brings in this condemnation. But you may not have done it right. And you're not good enough anyway. And, and are you sure you were sincere? You know, all the things we've already t talked about. Satan will take that and begin to condemn you. You're not good enough. You never will be. If you were good enough, you wouldn't be, have, you wouldn't be struggling with that sin in the first place. God doesn't love you. Are you sure that God will forgive you? And over and, and, and over, just these, these satanic questions that he puts in, in, our, in, our, in our mind. If you allow that, you're going from conviction, which is simply, look, you've sinned, deal with it, to condemnation. You've sinned, you can't help but sin, you're always going to be a sinner, you're not any good, you never will be good. And, if, and, and until you are willing, I was going to say able, that's not the issue. The issue is willing, determined. You know what? This morning, I'm going to start standing on God's word. I am tired of going over the same thing over and over again. And that's why the writer says, look, uh, Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Let's go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith toward God. Jesus took care of it. So move on. Here's what I want you to do. When you sin, I want you to go before Jesus Christ, confess that sin, and stop. Stop the sin... Stop confessing what you've already confessed. How many times does he need to hear it? Once. How, many, how long does it take him to forgive it? It's already done. You could, in heaven, I don't know how it would look, but you could bring your sin up again to the Lord, and he, he could say, what sin? I, do, I have forgotten that. You already dealt with that. So what I want you to do is... Biblically true, take it before the Lord, confess your sin, and leave it there. Stop going over it again. Leave it, leave it, leave it. Take your word and, and, and read the word over and over again. Next screen, act on what you know to be true. And that's exactly what we just said, act on what you know to be true. Now, it took me a while, it really did, it took me, okay, Okay, now I'm, I'm going to stand on God's word. When I sin, whatever the, the thing was, um, when I sin, okay, I'm going to confess it, then I'm not doing it again. I'm not, I'm not doing the sin again. I'm not confessing it again. All right? Act on what you know to be true. Amazing, as you act on what you know to be true, it really begins to be true down deep in your heart. It moves your action makes that go from your head to your heart where it really begins to be true in, in your life. Now, 
next, I'm going to lighten this up a little bit, and uh, because it's been pretty, been pretty heavy and kind of loud up 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 to this point. But here's another quote: It seems to me that the most uh, absurd thing in the world is to be upset because I am weak and distracted and blind and constantly make mistakes. What else do I expect? What are you expecting of yourself? Do you think that you're perfect? You're not there yet. So along the way, you're going to be making mistakes. Okay? And that's why Jesus went to the cross to pay for what you can't pay for. So, now, this gets into, all right, we dealt with, you know, confessing it one time. Now let's deal with, but... I have trouble going back to the sin again. Yeah, you will. It's not that you might, you will. And so you deal with that too. Now here's where we lighten it up a little bit. I was almost going to ask some of you ahead of time to come up and, and uh, talk about this. But what's the worst restaurant meal you ever had? Does it, you, everybody needs to know that. You need to get in your head. What is the worst restaurant meal you ever had. Now, this came to mind because a few uh, months ago now, we were in uh, Springfield, and uh, some of the best restaurants in the world and some of the worst, okay? Uh, and we, it's not that the meal I got was, the, the restaurant's not that bad. I just ordered a bad meal. It's, it's my fault. It's what I ordered, and I was trying to think of what it was to so you won't, okay? Uh, huh? Beet salad. That's it. Mm. Now, yeah, I do too, Rick, until you get it in a beet salad in this restaurant in Springfield. Now, some of the people who are with us at the restaurant probably watch this some. I'm going to be real careful. It's nobody's fault but mine, okay? I saw on the menu beet salad. I love beets, but not those, okay? It, beet and walnut and strawberries, yeah, and with a vinaigrette, and then, but now I'm one of those guys, you put it on my plate, I'm, I'm going to eat it, and I almost did, uh, but the last few bites, I just, okay, but that's the second, that's the second worst restaurant meal I've ever had, the first one I'm not going to talk about because I think some of them may watch some of this too, and I just, uh, anyway, so, what's the worst restaurant meal you ever had? Okay, I, you know, think about that. You, everybody needs to know that. You need to be ready. Uh, is it the book of Peter says, you need to be ready to answer for the hope that is, with, hope that is within you. So when they ask questions like that, you need to know. Now, okay, we've all had one, the, the, the worst restaurant meal. Did you stop eating in a restaurant because of that meal? No. No. You say, well, it's not the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. But I think you can get the point. I don't stop eating in restaurants because I've had two really bad. Now, I will not eat a beet salad again, but I will eat in a restaurant again. So you can think of the worst restaurant meal you ever had, but you didn't stop you from eating in a restaurant. Now, what's the biggest mistake you've made in the kitchen? <laughs> now, I was going to name some, but I'm not because I want to enjoy my lunch today. What's the biggest mistake? You know, you added this and you shouldn't have and, 
you thought it was that and it wasn't and and anyway, I was, I was thinking about asking a couple of you to come up and share your biggest mistake. Because I, I, I do, I want to lighten this up a little bit. I'm doing this on, on purpose. I want you to think of the, the big, and you need to know the answer to this. What's the biggest mistake you've ever made in the, in the kitchen? For some of you, it's because you walked into it. Okay, right there. Uh, did you stop eating because of that bad meal that you made? No. Well, of course we didn't. You're going to sin again. Does that mean that we just give up? Does that mean we just throw up our hands? Well, boy, I had, I had all the intentions. I had... Uh, you know, that self-will, that strong will. I knew I was going to be able to beat it this time, but I, but I didn't. When I ordered the beet salad, I was just really sure it was going to be good. But I, I thought, no. Who do you think you are? Do you think you're not going to make a mistake? Why do you think that? Do you think that you're not human? Why do you think that? Do you think that, now I know we're not going into it planning to make a mistake. I don't go into a restaurant intending to order a bad meal. But it's going to happen. And I don't go into the kitchen intending to put uh, salt where the sugar should have been. But it's going to happen. But I don't stop eating. And I don't stop living for Jesus because I make mistakes along the way. And I sure do make mistakes along the way. But I don't stop living for Jesus. He hasn't changed. So what do I do? What we already talked about, right? I confess my sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive us, forgive me my sin, and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Not some, all of it. But Lord, I made that mistake before, and you might again. And he's still waiting for you there. Now, the last one uh, is actually the scripture Romans 2.4, I think, Matt, the way we did that. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Here, here it is. Not knowing that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Now, some could easily take a message like this. If, if, if you're one of those, you've completely mis misunderstood the whole thing. Some could easily take a message like this and say, oh, well, then that means I just sin and, and ask God to forgive me, and it's no big deal. No, you know that's not true. You know that's not true. In fact, once you really understand grace and what it costs God and what it costs him for, to forgive you of that sin, that's really why it is so tough for us from time to time to just confess it because it's, it's, I feel like, man, God, I've got to earn this somehow. I've got to pay you back somehow. It's just, it's just not fair that God would forgive me. Exactly. Exactly. It's just not fair. That God would forgive you. Exactly. That's why it's grace. Because it's not fair. It's not just. It's grace. It's where God took your place. God took what you should have, should have been. God took what you, you are. And he nailed that to the cross. God took your sin. He took your, mis your mistakes. Your failures. Your sin. 
And he took it upon himself, nailed it to his cross. It's not fair. Of course it's not. That's why it's called grace. And that's not cheap grace. It's Jesus paying for your sin. Now, if some misunderstand that, they have just completely misunderstood the whole thing. But it is the goodness of God that leads me to to repentance. When I think of what Jesus has done for, for me, and even when I was a sinner and wasn't even even asking for it. Jesus died for me. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not his justice. It's not his wrath. It's not the anger of God. But it's the goodness of God. And if you can look at Jesus hanging on the cross for your sin and go, and go away and say, oh, well, that's no, no big deal. You are seriously miss, missing something in your spiritual life when you can think of Jesus hanging on the cross for you and, and say, oh, well, I, I, I can't do that. I cannot do that. When I think of how good he's been to me, what price he paid for, for me, it just, it just tears us up sometimes because of our sin. But I know what the Bible says. He is so gracious. He is so merciful. He is so kind. He is so good that he forgives you anyway. He forgives you anyway. It's not fair because it's grace. And I want that. I want, I want to receive that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't do the cleansing. He does it. You do the confessing. And then leave it there. Lay it there. Now, you know, we, we've talked about this often. What I'm going to say right now, I'm going to ask for the mu- musicians to come. Uh, We'll often say something like, I'm going to ask you to come this morning and lay it on the altar and don't pick it up again. Well, the thing about that is all of us have probably experienced, well, I've done that and I picked it up again. Yeah, because you're human. So what, what do I do? I lay it down again. But, you know, I, I, there's no buts to it. When I fail and I sin and I will, I lay it down again. Well, that's not fair. No, it's not fair. It's grace. I'm going to ask you to stand. There's no one in the room who does not wrestle, does not have a problem with sin. There's no one in the room who does not have a problem with sin. What I'm going to ask you to do is what the Bible says to do. Confess your sin, not to me, not to anyone else. Confess your sin to Jesus. Confess your sin that he is faithful and just to forgive you of that sin. Right now, right here. And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Right now, right here. Well, I've done it before. All right, let's do it again. And, if, and when you need to, let's do it again. This, this is what the Bible instructs us to do. If you need to come, and really we all do, if you need to come and confess your sin and get this right with Jesus this morning, right now, while they play and sing, we invite you to come. If you need to come and get it right with Jesus, we invite you to come. Come and pray. Confess your sin.
precious blood of Jesus Christ, oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As you wait for the crown, tell the world of the treasure you found. 